Good morning. It's time to begin our worship service this morning. If you would, please come on in and find a seat. If there's no room for you, we'll, uh, we'll make room. The first song this morning will be Rain in Me. Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again over every thought, over every word. May my life reflect the beauty of my Lord, cause you mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me again, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? So won't you reign in me again? Good morning. Welcome everybody to our service this morning, especially those of you who are visiting with us. Do you consider you honored guest? We ask that you fill out an attendance card in the pew in front of you, place that in the collection plate, and that'll give us a record of your being here. Uh, we're also happy to have everybody here uh, in person, um, but we also have live stream available for those uh, who need it. Our times of service are 9.30 a.m. Bible study, 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship, 5 p.m. Sunday evening worship, 7 p.m. Wednesday evening worship. There will be an elders and deacons meeting at 4 o'clock today. The Secret Sister program for 2023 begins today. Please see Shannon Garrett for more information. The next Youth and Senior Supper is this Wednesday. There is a sign-up list on the Youth Bulletin Board for those willing to help with the food. If you have any questions, please see Amanda Ogg. We do need some more coordinators for the Youth and Senior Suppers for 2023. There is a sign-up list on the bulletin board in the foyer as well. There's a sign-up list for those willing to lead the ladies' devos this year. Uh, that is also on the bulletin board in the foyer, but if you need more information, see Shannon Garrett. The Pickin' and Ribs fundraiser for Lylewood Christian Camp is Saturday, March the 4th at 6 p.m. at Trenton Crossing Church of Christ. There is a flyer on the bulletin board with more information. For tickets, see Noah Eastland or Dale Murray. Our monthly singing uh, at Dogwood Bend will be this Saturday, February the 11th. If you please plan to meet at the facility at 225. There's a, man, a men's prayer breakfast this Saturday, February 11th at 830 in the Fellowship Hall. There's a sign-up list in the foyer if you plan to attend. The Sweetheart Banquet will also be this Saturday, February the 11th at 6 p.m. and that'll be in the Fellowship Hall. There is a sign-up list in the foyer for that as well if you plan to attend. We also have a Youth Devo tonight, uh, after evening service at the Farrells. Uh, boys bring drinks, girls bring desserts. The bus will leave after service. 
have one thank you card. It says, because of you, there's someone who is thanking God today, someone who appreciates your warm and caring way, someone who's remembering the special things you do and wishing you his blessings every day the whole year through. Thanks for all the prayers, calls, cards, and food I received after my knee surgery. It's a blessing to have such a loving church family. Love, Larry Key. That's all the announcements I have. We'll have our reading at this time. The reading this morning will come from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Acts chapter 2, 22 through 24, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Our next song this morning will be number 388. 388. Take time to be holy, speak off with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children, help those who are
Let's pray together. Our almighty heavenly Father, we thank you for this day of life you have given us. and We thank you for all the many wonderful blessings you give us every day. We thank you for the privilege we have together here in comfort to worship you. We pray that our worship will be acceptable to you. Heavenly Father, we continue to pray for our sick. We're so thankful for the progress that some have made. We pray that you will continue to bless them with full healing. And we remember those who have lost loved ones, Lord. We pray that you will comfort their hearts as they heal. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this country in which we live, and we pray that you will bless those who protect our freedoms and our safety here. And Heavenly Father, we're most thankful for the gift of your Son, Jesus, that he brought us salvation through the shedding of his blood. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will forgive us of our sins and be with us as we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, let's sing number 171. 171. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. God's love 
The past few weeks, Tom, or maybe a little longer, Tom's been speaking on God's nature. And last week he spoke on God's love, and God is love. A part of a sermon last week, I was, uh, as I was worshiping, I thought man, part of that would make a good communion meditation. So I'm going to do a little bit of indirect quoting from his sermon last week. Jesus, the most powerful, came to earth and paid a debt. Not a financial obligation, but a debt that's our death penalty for sin. A king over an entire universe and over the people of Israel, Israel gave himself for us. He subjected and submitted himself to the will of the Father, to the worst death that the Romans had invented. That is love. Now I'm going to read 1 John 4, 8 through 10. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For by the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that he might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now we got the opportunity to commune together with God and remembering the sacrifice that was made for all of mankind. If you would, please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, dear Lord, but the love that you've shown us is, is far greater. Dear Lord, we owe everything to you. As we come to this part of a worship service, dear Lord, we remember your son, Jesus, that came and, and died for us. And as we partake of this, we remember his body hanging on that cross, dear Lord. And we pray that we can take it in a manner that pleases you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Please bow again. Dear Holy Father, we come to you at this time remembering Jesus' blood, the blood that was shed for us, dear Lord, the blood that cleanses us from our sin. Dear Lord, as we partake of this cup, we pray that we can do it in a manner that pleases you with humbleness and give it the proper honor and glory that it deserves. And we pray that we'll always remember the sacrifice and the blood that flowed for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Then we go into part of our worship service where we're commanded to give back. If you would, please bow with me as we pray for the offering. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for all the blessings that we received, dear Lord. We thank you for all the opportunities that we have to further your kingdom, dear Lord. We pray that we can take advantage of those opportunities. Everything on earth, everything the way it's designed is designed usually to take money, dear Lord. And we pray that we can give willingly and cheerfully. And then if we can't give of monetary, we can give of ourselves, dear Lord, to always put you first. 
And all this we ask in your son's name. Amen. If you'd like to mark our invitation song this morning, it'll be number 560, 560. <clears throat> now before the lesson, let's all stand together and sing number 490, 490. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul never dies. My darkest night will turn to day where the soul never dies. No sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes, where all is love and the soul never dies. A rose is blooming there for me where the soul never dies and I will spend eternity where the soul never dies no sad farewells no tear dimmed eyes where sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes, where all is love and the soul never dies. Please be seated. Good morning. So good to see each and every one of you today. I want to thank you personally for coming and being part of our service. I want to thank John for that communion meditation and reminding us of the love of, of God and what a great sacrifice he gave through Jesus Christ. We are continuing our 
lesson series on God's great nature. I wanted to, to, before I begin, remind all of the men, if you can, make plans to come Saturday morning. We're going to have food. Uh, we're going to spend time in fellowship and prayer. And we do have a sign-up list in the foyer. So if you want to bring uh, your cooking or your wife's cooking, that's great either way. Just If you can't bring food, come anyway. And we'd love to have you for our men's breakfast at 8.30 this coming Saturday morning. We've gone through this series of God's great nature talking about Him as the Creator, but more importantly, the nature of God. And He is truly incredible. Uh, we've been reading each week like Exodus 15, verse 11, which we'll read again. The, this is the song of Moses just after they crossed the Red Sea and saw the incredible power of God. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Exodus 15, verse 11. I want to quickly go over our list again just as a reminder of the things that we've covered looking at God's nature. First, we started out talking about the fact that He's always been. He's always existed. He is spiritual in nature, sovereign, holy, we talked about the three omnis, uh, the things that make up the nature of God and how he's all-powerful and present everywhere. He knows all. He's immutable. He's, his nature never changes. All truth is found in God. He's a wise God. Goodness. Next one, full of grace, love, last week. And this week is foreknowledge. Honestly, I can't ever remember a time where I've heard a lesson on foreknowledge, and maybe you haven't either, but I promise it'll be worth your time to talk about God's foreknowledge. What is foreknowledge? And why is that important to me? Now, in the next two weeks, we're going to be wrapping up talking about God's righteousness and His wrath. Why are those two important and why are they paired together? But let's define foreknowledge first of all. I want to start out with a compound word, and maybe you'll recognize some of these and it'll help us to focus. But every time I use for... Forefathers, forecast, foreman, foreground, forerunner, you begin to realize that it talks about before or ahead. For example, forefathers isn't somebody that's in my family line going forward, but it's people who've been in my um, heritage in the past. Forefathers, forecast. Basically, it's it's looking. For, uh, forward to weather. You hear forecast almost every day. If you watch the weather and news, uh, it's a hard job. But you know what's interesting? You can still get it wrong and get paid, right? Amazing how they do that. But I appreciate forecasters because they let me know what the roads are going to be like and if I can expect ice or sunshine, warm weather, cold weather. So it's, it's having knowledge and predicting what's going to happen because they have this early view. And so they share this early view via satellite and radar. And, and so they give us a forecast. A foreman, if you think about it, on a construction site, this is the guy that wears a hard hat that has already looked at all the blueprints, laid them out on the table, knows what materials to order. And he tells the workers that report to him what to do because he has the plan and it's been revealed to him ahead of time. Foreground, if you look at a picture and something is described in the foreground, guess where that is? At the very front. The very first thing is the foreground. A forerunner, a person who leads the way, who cuts the trail, 
who does it before everybody else, they are a forerunner. So it means knowing something ahead of time, the first, out front, ahead of others, for, and then know, we all know what no means, right? To have information, facts, details about an event or a person or a thing. So you put for and know together, and Merriam-Webster says, their definition is foreknowledge, is to have previous knowledge of, know beforehand, especially by paranormal means of a revolution. I thought that was interesting. Paranormal, I'm like, what? Par oh, that's a fortune teller, right? Yeah, I'm not going to ask if y'all been to one of those. Psychic, you know, the mystics that can read cards and tell you your future and read your palm. So mystic foreknowledge which I think is funny and why I included this picture, I think is hilarious. Uh, look carefully at the truck. Yeah, right. So the, the title of this is Texic Psychic Getting Roasted for Not Seeing the Flood is Coming. Drove right into it, right? So, so much for psychic powers, right? Tarot cards and reading the future and your palm and all that stuff. Let me tell you about a wonderful God, Amen who has all knowledge and has foreknowledge. He's the perfect predictor of events that will happen. And not only that, church, God has a plan that he executed even before we were created. So I'm going to share with you some thoughts today, if you will allow me. This is just a simple lesson, one that we can all understand. And this talks about God knowing the outcome before the beginning. And you're thinking, is that even possible? For God, all things are possible. You serve an incredibly wonderful and powerful God who loves you so much. And I hope that you'll never forget that as you read these mind-bending stories in the Old Testament about things that God did for His people and the miracles and the provision and all of the things that He did to show His power, He is still the same God today. Amen? You serve Him. You should be excited about Him and tell others about Him as well. David, the humble little shepherd boy who played on his harp, who happened to grow into a man, young man who killed a giant and later became a king over God's people. He had some thoughts about God and God's intimate knowledge of him even as an unborn baby. And you're thinking, Brother Tom, where are you going with this? God and babies? Yes. So and if you want to turn to your Bible in Psalm 139, I have it on the overhead as well, but it's a great chapter. In the beginning of Psalm 139, the idea is that God is everywhere, which happens to fall into our definition of omnipresence. But not only is God everywhere at the same time, God knows everything, omniscience. He has a foreknowledge he is the divine creator. And so I want to start in verse 13 of Psalm 139. And so we have this, ahead, or you can open it up and read it if you'd like. But before I begin reading, 
I want to stop for just a minute. I want to get your attention. I want you to listen to me carefully. I do not know personally what your views are on the unborn. I do know on the media that we are fed a lot of propaganda. There are a lot of phrases and terms out there that sort of shield us from the truth of killing unborn children. That's called murder in my book. But you'll hear it called pro-choice. I want you to consider your view today on protecting the unborn, especially in light of what we read in Psalm 139. Why is this important? I believe that pro-choice is the taking of life which God has personally created. And this little life has a plan according to God. Each of us, as we're manufactured, knit in our mother's womb, God has a plan. If you're not sure about that, I invite you to read with me, beginning in verse 13. And so David, after asking this general question, where can I go and you're not there, Lord? Then he says, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, God. He's saying, God, you were there in the creation of my skeletal structure, my organs. He says, oh, I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's talking about a little baby yet unborn, church. Marvelous are your works. Now, is he implying that his unborn substance is a work of God? The answer is yes. This is not a blob of tissue, as many people in the world would convince you. This is something that God has made that is fearfully and wonderfully made, and it is marvelous. And that my soul knows very well, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes, your eyes, he says, saw my substance being yet unformed. I want you to pay attention to this last verse. This last statement. David says to the Lord, And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. What does that mean? That means that God understood the plan for David's life, the question is, would David follow that plan? That's another part we're going to talk about later in our lesson today. God has a plan for each and every one of you. Will you choose God's plan or will you reject it? And so we see here David saying, Lord, you're everywhere. You were even present when I was being formed in my mother's womb. He mentions you, you, your, you, your, and your book. All of these things were written in your book, as yet there were none of them. He says, it was mapped out. Your plan for me was already present. God, you had ultimate foreknowledge. 
of my life. So the idea is that David says, God, you were present in my creation and you had a plan. Our next point today is that even before, even before the creation, even before time as we know it as mankind, God pre-planned our salvation, foreknowledge. Here is what I think the Bible is trying to tell us about God's foreknowledge. In Acts 2.23, which had been read a little earlier today, Peter, in the beautiful sermon at the day of Pentecost, the sermon of the first church service, if you will, he talks about God's plan that's been revealed. Acts 2, verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Let me read that again. That's important. Acts 2, 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Stop. What does that mean? That means that this Jesus Christ that I'm telling you about, that you crucified on the Roman cross, crucify him, crucify him, the crowd chanted. This Jesus, even before mankind was created, the plan was for Jesus Christ to come in the flesh to represent God. He was a representative of the Godhead, showing perfect submission to the Father. It was our plan for Jesus, God in the flesh, to be crucified before the first man was created. I find that rather awesome. How about you? This God would plan to crucify himself before he even made us? Why would he do that? Why would he make a creation that was flawed and sinful? Why would he give his creation a choice? The only conclusion that makes sense to me. This was how God showed his ultimate love. Because he paid the ultimate price for us. And that church is why each Lord's Day we stand around this table, a very special table, to remember what Jesus did by offering up his body and his blood for us. The Lord's Supper signifies the body, the bread that we take, the juice that we drink, his blood. And it was the plan of God, according to Acts 2.23, Peter brings the Sermon on the Mount, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Sermon at Pentecost in Acts 2, and he tells us that this is a plan that God enacted even before our creation. It was a definite plan. God had foreknowledge. This God who showed so much love by dying for you, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Now, if you continue reading in Acts 2, you'll see that they, they're pricked in their heart. They're struck. What, what shall we do? We're guilty of crucifying the Son of God. Now I want you to fast forward in the epistle of Peter. We're going to go to chapter 1, verse 18. Peter continues this idea of God's foreknowledge, his plan to save mankind. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited with your forefathers, 
not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What is a ransom? Basically, the ransom means that we're held captive. We're held captive against our will. We have sinned. We all deserve the death penalty. But Jesus paid the ransom. He goes on to tell us when this story, uh, this played out. When was it planned? Verse 20, key scripture here. In our next slide, it says, He, and I added the parentheses, Jesus was foreknown. What does that mean? Foreknowledge. God's plan to give himself in the flesh, i.e. Jesus Christ. This was designed before the foundation of the world. Amazing that God would create me knowing that I would cost him the very life of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We often call him the Son. Before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest, that is, my parenthesis again, revealed to you in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I cannot think of a better illustration of God's foreknowledge. That he would design a plan that he, the Godhead, carried out prior to our creation, designing specifically the Son who would come in the flesh and die a horrific death on the cross. That was a plan, verse 20, that was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And now another example of this same is Peter speaking to Christians who are dispersed. The dispersion simply means this. As a result of the Roman government and Jews creating persecution against Christians the way, these Christians were now spread out from Jerusalem and they went all over the place. In just a moment, we're going to read in 1 Peter 1.1 those places that they went. But Peter explains that Christ uh, has... It's always been the plan for Jesus to save those who accept him, for those who are in Christ. And so let's read in 1 Peter 1.1. Peter continues talking about this foreknowledge. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, verse 2, an important verse, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for sprinkling with His blood. So what is Peter really saying to the church? He said, hey church, all of you have, who have been dispersed because of the persecution and gone to various regions, those of you in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, I'm talking to you. This has been God's plan all along. When was the most rapid growth of the church? It was during the persecution and the dispersion that Christians were shotgunned out into various areas of the world and they shared the message of Jesus Christ and proclaimed the gospel. Because in proclaiming the gospel, leading others to Christ, there was sanctification made pure and holy. 
obedience and sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. People were added to the church because in the dispersion they shared the gospel. This was God's plan from the beginning. Now I want to talk about this plan. This plan. Some people have been taught in the next slide. We see John Calvin was one of those. He was actually a reformer who had good intentions, but he went too far. John Calvin taught about the idea of predestination. Basically, Calvin, in his study, came to the incorrect conclusion that God had chosen some to be saved and others, too bad, no chance for you. See, there was no free choice basically included in this idea. Calvin believed that God, when he made some people, they got that stamp of being saved. Some people, when they created, got the stamp of being condemned, and it really didn't matter how you lived. If you were chosen, you were chosen. If you weren't chosen, you weren't chosen. Nothing you could do to influence that. Here's the problem. God gave us all free choice. God did not predestine some people to be saved, but God predestined a plan before the creation of mankind. That plan, of, of a predestined plan, was offered to all mankind. That is why Jesus said shortly before he ascended into heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And Jesus goes, oh, forget that. They've already either been lost or saved. It doesn't matter, right? No, he said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He says, baptize those who believe and they'll be saved. Save as many as you can. And today the Lord continues to wait patiently for us to fulfill his predestined plan of salvation by sharing it to a society God has created that has free will to accept or reject the gospel. It was a plan offered to all before our creation, manifested through Jesus Christ, who gave his life through the blood and the body on the cross. And we commemorate that each Lord's Day as we take the Lord's Supper. If you ever wonder, is it really a big deal to take communion every Sunday? Yes, for two reasons. One, we follow the pattern as demonstrated by early church historians, Acts 27. They did it on the Lord's Day. We know that as often as we get together that we are commemorating or remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we celebrate that until He comes again. It's a good way to teach other people about what Jesus did for us. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he talks about this predestined plan, this foreknowledge. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So when Paul says in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he is not suggesting that God chose some and condemned others, even before they were born. He's simply saying that this is a plan this plan is predestined by God to offer Jesus freely to all who would believe 
who would confess and be immersed and continue faithfully walking in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you and challenge you today to think about your life. God has freely offered you the plan of salvation. There may be someone here today who has not accepted His plan. There may be someone here today who has not yet been immersed in the waters of baptism or made that good confession, and we want to encourage you. To summarize our lesson today, simply three points I want to make. One, we're blessed by having a loving God who has a purpose for each and every one of us. And being creatures of free will, you can choose. Do I conform to God's plan for my life, or do I go do what I want to do and risk eternal damnation? May I suggest strongly that as you sing the invitation song, you take inventory of your spiritual life and ask yourself, am I walking on the path that God has designed for me? Am I using His God-given talents to honor Him and glorify Him and tell others about Him and how I live my life? Number two, Peter tells those who were crucified Jesus that it was His plan from before the beginning of the earth. This was no accident. It wasn't an ultra-bad day that Jesus had that He ended up on the cross. He knew and predicted that this had been the plan all along. You may recall that even Peter rebuked him. He took him aside and said, Lord, quit talking about this. I want to hear about you dying on a cross. We want you around a long time. We've got Romans to overthrow. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Peter later understood that this was a foreordained plan. God knew ahead of time that Jesus had to die. Finally, the blessings await those who are faithful, those who are children of God who walk according to God's plan. We can be adopted into Christ. We become sinless. We become saved. And we become blessed through Christ. We offer that salvation to you today. If there's a Christian among us today who has not been living the life, but maybe living a lie, we want to give you an opportunity to change and repent tell others about Jesus and let the light of Jesus shine through your life. The invitation is yours and we ask you to come while we sing. Jesse. Things that are
I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Our final song this morning will be number 221, number 221, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. O land of rest for thee, I sigh, when will the moment come, when I shall lay my armor by and dwell in peace at home. Will work till Jesus comes. Will work till Jesus comes. Will work till Jesus comes and will be gathered home. I sought at once my Savior's side. No more my steps shall roam. With him I'll brave death's chilling tide and reach my heavenly home. Will work till Jesus comes. Will work till Jesus comes. Will work till Jesus comes and will be gathered home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for thy Son who died for our sins, for ability to worship thee and the strength that we have gained today. Help us to take this strength out into the world to be an example to others, to bring others unto thee. We pray for our families, our friends, and those we associate with. Help us be an influence to them and help us to share the gospel with them. Help us to always do thy will. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.